Hey, Disney Cruise fans, it's Wes. If you'd like to support the show, please consider booking your next Disney trip with us. We are independent travel agents affiliated with Mickey World Travel, a platinum Disney earmarked agency. Though we specialize in Disney cruises, we book all Disney destinations. We'll help you with all the planning details and make sure you don't miss out on anything important. Of course, if it is a Disney cruise, we'll give you some onboard credit up to $1,000 to spend on your trip. That's free money to spend on whatever you want just for booking with us. Spa treatments, port adventures, merchandise, adult dining experiences. It doesn't cost you anything to work with us, and you'll pay the same as if you book directly through Disney. So you might as well get some extra spending money to take with you. If you're interested, send me an email at Wes, W-E-S, at MickeyWorldTravel.com. And now, on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 109 of the DCL Dude Podcast. My name is Wes, and by the time you're hearing this, the Super Bowl will be over. So I, I hope you all had a great Super Bowl Sunday, however you chose to celebrate it. I, I still don't understand why the Monday after can't be declared a, a national holiday, because nobody ever feels like getting up early that uh, that day. Um, it looks like we have some snow in the forecast, so my wife and kids are at least hoping for a delayed opening. We'll see how that goes. One of the one of the downsides of working from home is that the snow can't really be an excuse for uh, for showing up late to work. So the weather forecast won't do any good for me, but uh, maybe the kids will will get to sleep in a little bit. Anyway, before we get to today's show, there were some major Disney Cruise developments in the last couple weeks that I'm sure you have all heard about, but I wanted to be sure you are caught up um, on, you know, on this show. I feel like I, uh, I owe that to you. Two weeks ago, it was announced that the maiden voyage of the Disney Wish would be delayed by a little over a month, apparently due to COVID-related delays at the shipyard. The maiden voyage on the Disney Wish will now depart on July 14th instead of the originally scheduled date of June 9th. If you were scheduled on the maiden voyage, um, hopefully you've already been made aware of your options, but your uh, your reservation is automatically moved to the new sale date, so no action is required there, and you will receive 50% off the cost of that cruise. So I know in this house we're pretty excited about that, uh, although it's still up in the air about whether we'll be able to, to cruise on the new date. So nice incentive, but the, the, uh, the new date isn't uh, isn't ideal for us. Uh, if the new dates won't work for you, Disney Cruise Line is providing you with two options. One, 50% off the cost of a future cruise, and that's any cruise before December 31st, 2023, without restrictions. So uh, pretty good opportunity there. Any of the money that you already paid toward the maiden voyage would be uh, would become future cruise credit and you know used toward the cost of that new cruise that you book. Your second option is just cancellation uh, for a full refund. There were also 11 cruises scheduled after the maiden voyage that were canceled. One was a DVC member cruise, and uh, and then there were 10 three- and four-night cruises sailing through July 18th. I haven't heard yet what's happening with the DVC member cruise. I suspect it'll be treated similarly to the maiden voyage, but if anyone uh, listening here was scheduled on that cruise... And can fill and can fill me in. Please reach out. I'd like to. I'd like to know. 
Um, for the three and four night cruises that were canceled, Disney Cruise Line is offering the same 50% off the cost of a future cruise or a full refund. So same options as, um, as the other two on the maiden voyage. So definitely an inconvenience and a disappointment for a lot of people, including myself, but uh, some pretty decent perks if you were scheduled on one of those cruises. You may have also seen that last week was the Disney Wish float out ceremony at the shipyard in Germany. Uh, it was awesome. There were a few YouTube accounts that were live streaming the event, so many of you may have been lucky enough to catch the ceremony. It was really cool seeing the new ship floating out of the hall, and she looks absolutely spectacular. Uh, there were fireworks and Disney music, and overall it was a, a really great ceremony. Uh, if you missed it, I post some uh, excuse me posted some links to the live streams uh, on my social media pages, so I would imagine you could go back and rewatch. I haven't clicked the links to see if uh, if you know if they were posted, but I, I, I'm sure they were. There are also pictures all over social media from the event. So if you're a Disney Cruise fan, you've probably already seen it. Um, but all in all, it was a fun day and made me so much more excited for uh, for this summer's debut. Hopefully Disney will ride this momentum wave and release some summer 2023 itineraries later this week. Uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed for that. Um, although I, th I think it's probably still a little early, but we'll see. All right, on to this week's show. All right, I've been looking forward to today's episode for quite a while. I decided I, I, I decided a while ago that I wanted to do it, but for various reasons, I put it off until now. Full disclosure, this was not an original idea that I came up with. My friends over at Rope Drop Radio did the Walt Disney World version of, of this episode, and I, I told them I liked the idea so much I was, uh, was going to steal it and do a, a DCL version. Anyway, the genesis of the idea is the Disney Plus Marvel series, What If? Um, if you haven't seen it or heard of it, I guess, the, the series kind of flips the script on the Marvel Cinematic Universe by reimagining famous events from films uh, in, in unexpected ways. So, for example, in Episode 1, Steve Rogers, who is Captain America for you Marvel rookies, uh, is seriously injured and Peggy Carter becomes the world's first super soldier instead. So, as you can imagine, it sets off the timeline uh, on a, a much different path. And the idea that decisions we make or don't make or the things that we do or don't do have implications that will, you know, last forever has always, just the thought of it has kind of fascinated me. So sometimes it's fun to look back and think about what if you had done something differently. So that's kind of the, 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 the basis for the show. I thought it'd be fun to apply it to Disney Cruise Line. So if you look back over the past 20 plus years that the cruise line has been around, um, at some of the decisions that were made, rumors that we've heard about, events that took place, it's it's easy to see how things um, could have gone differently, uh, and it likely would have had a, a ripple effect on the future of Disney Cruise Line. So it's in today's episode, we are going to look at some of these things and ask the question, what if... Um, hope that makes sense. So to help me with today's show, I've invited a guest who I think has a very creative mind and I thought would be perfect for this kind of episode. He's He's been on the show before and I've always enjoyed his ideas about how Disney Cruise, ex um, how the Disney Cruise experience could be enhanced, particularly as it relates to coming up with new ideas for the Disney Wish. He's also a huge Disney Cruise fan and I'm excited for the show. So Chris, welcome back to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on. It's always uh, great to be on here with you. I appreciate uh, 
appreciate the show. Appreciate uh, every episode and kind of, it's my uh, morning to work, uh, uh, you know, for the first part of the week, whenever it publishes. So, uh, I appreciate it. Well, I, I appreciate that. Uh, right back at you. Um, are you a Marvel fan, Chris? Um, I am. And I would say I'm probably a bigger Marvel fan than a Star Wars fan when it comes to what Disney has acquired over the yep. years. But all that's dwarfed by, I think I'm a bigger Indiana Jones fan, and Disney hasn't done a whole lot. Oh, really? With it yet, so okay. Hopefully, there's a few things on the horizon. That's what I was gonna say. Have I? I feel like I've heard of things coming related to Indiana Jones. Is that true? There's a movie. They've also licensed uh, a Microsoft uh, studio to make a uh, a video game. Oh, based on you know more of a modern day telling of Indiana Jones. So uh, I kind of keep my eye on those things. Obviously, uh, being a Florida Disney fan over a California Disney fan, I. I'm jealous that they have uh, an Indiana Jones ride. Although uh, coming up for my next trip, uh, going back to the Stunt Spectacular is a uh, top of my list. Nice, for yeah. I was. I'm excited that that's back as well. Um, do they have a? Do they have an Indiana Jones cast for that movie? Uh, I believe it's already started filming. Oh, okay. Do you have, do you know who it is? Uh, well, Harrison Ford is. Oh, it is. Oh, really? No way. I feel why have I not heard of that? I feel, well, I had heard of a, the something was in the works. I just I didn't know anything about it. So um so I you know, we kind of exchanged a, a couple emails back and forth. Uh we each kind of submitted some ideas for this episode. Uh so we're just going to go through a few of these, but in generally speaking, you kind of understand what we're trying to do here and um you know, topic makes sense and everything, right? Sounds good. Looks awesome. good. Okay. So uh, we'll start with question number one. We're going to go all the way back to the very beginning. Um, and so you, as many of you know, Disney Cruise Line did not start out, uh, or excuse me, Disney did not start out with its own uh, cruise line. It was actually licensing, um, had a license agreement with Premier Cruise Lines. Um, it was, you know, essentially referred to as the big red boat. Um, and you know, they were allowed to bring Disney characters on board and had, you know, had, had a, a little Disney experience at sea. So I guess my first question is what if Disney was still licensing a la the big red boat, as opposed to starting their own cruise line, how would the Disney cruise experience be different if it was just licensing its, its, uh, its IP to a, a different cruise line? What are your thoughts? So I guess there's two places to go from here. There one way is from the fan side and another way is from the business side. We'll do the business side first because it's boring, but <laughs> Disney's really big on its return on investment right now. And they don't trust anyone with their intellectual property because I think they've realized that's 95% of who they are. The physical things that are the parks and the resorts and uh, the movie studios and the, um, uh, the boats themselves are not cherished nearly as much is that intellectual property. Um, it, it would take a different string of CEOs for them to continue. Um, so, you know, applying the Marvel what if to it, we would see a lot, uh, I don't know a better word, we would see more uh, lackadaisical or maybe more film-focused mm. CEOs uh, uh, over the past 20 years for them to continue on that, like, that glide slope of, building character costumes with Imagineers and then handing them to another company after training some 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 non-cast members 
to try to create what they covet as a right because at the end of the day what sets Disney apart from Six Flags right or or, or, or Cedar Point or Valley Fair or any of those theme parks uh, Oceans of Fun if you're in the Midwest whatever it is but it all comes from that intellectual property and that experience of that 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 feel good moment you get deep down inside yep. when you see your your child or your niece or nephew or another loved one have that experience with a character. Um, I, so from a business side, the return on investment would never be there for them, right? Like, yeah, no. And to be quite honest, with the way Disney has grown over since uh, kind of that post nine eleven dip in travel, the way the parks have grown, um, I don't think Premier Cruise Line could have or any other cruise line could have. I mean, it would have taken one of the major cruise lines in order to continue to afford paying for that license. Agreed. So, yeah, I completely agree. And and I those are all. I think those are all great points. For my my original thought was, I you know if they had continued a, this licensing deal, I it would not have been with Premier Cruise Lines. That would have eventually kind of gone away, and they would have had to, like you said, you know, do it with a different a different line. You know, Royal Caribbean Carnival, something like that. Um, but you know, just thinking back to conversation, the, you know, the conversation that I had with um, Joe Lanzisro, the Disney Imagineer, one of the reasons they even explored, um, you know, doing their own cruise line was because they didn't have control over the kind of the end product. And with Disney being so focused on the the customer experience and what you know that feel like you said that feeling that you get the magic that that you feel without being able to control every single intricate detail about the cruise you know it just i i I couldn't see it being kind of a long-term solution for them um so you know i think something would have had to change but again that's sort of saying that's not really playing the what if game. Um, I think if they were still licensing, they, you know, it, I almost think it would just evolve into, you know, Disney almost controlling the whole, you know, having this, um, this agreement that says, sure, we'll, we'll license the characters and the IP to you, but we're, you're going to do it our way or we're not going to continue to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think another thing from like, uh, the kind of the fan standpoint is, um, and it probably reinforces what you've already said, but uh, Disney's the kind of company that, right, when Disney sells you, right, they don't say, hey, uh, uh, you or your family, you want to go on a vacation, here's a cruise ship, uh, come see us and our characters, right? Disney comes to you and says, would you like a magical moment in your family's life this year, right? They sell you the why. They get really deep down to what you feel uh, to 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 up kind of appeal to your heartstrings to make a financial decision or a vacation decision for your family. Right. No, I think that's a that that's a good point. Um, and I, you know, it also struck me like what it what what would say they had gone and licensed with one of the the major cruise lines. What would one of those cruise lines look like? You know, today if Disney had a licensing agreement with them. So that so that's a really good point and one that I want to make sure we hit on this question as I was looking at these and that's uh, Disney has been kind of dipping its toe in different markets since the '90s, right? They, obviously, the Euro Disney, which changed to Disneyland Paris, um, would, you know, which had a real hard start, but they finally got the idea of what right. Disney needed to be for those customers in that part of the world. 
Um, they've seen a lot of success in China and obviously uh, Tokyo Disneyland probably being the most successful uh, that's outside of the contiguous United States. But um, there are other, it, had Disney had a licensing agreement with Royal Caribbean today, say, look at the, think about some of the markets they could dip their feet into, like Australia. True. Or other places to test. Great point. What does IP look like? What are the successful characters there? If we made a resort there, what would it look like? Uh, yeah, and would- I think just to wrap up that question, you know, had had Disney been licensing still, maybe their you know their product would have gone into markets that maybe are not as um, heavily served with the Disney product. You know, like you said, Australia or you know other parts of the world where these cruise ships on other lines are going, but maybe don't have a large Disney presence. All right. Um, good way to kick it off. This next one is, uh, something that is very interesting to me and I, I think is going to be a fun topic, but I got to set it up for a second. Um, cause a lot of people listening to this, uh, to this episode may have never even heard about this, but sometime around June or July of 2016, there were rumors swirling that Disney Cruise Line was interested in leasing, a small piece of land called Egg Island from the Bahamian government. Have you heard about this? Uh, you know, I had to research the history of Disney. Yeah. So wanted to learn about where they fit into things. Yeah. Um, Egg Island is not one you can find a lot on. Right, right. Um, it, right. And so the island, which is, it's located about 50 nautical miles to the south east of Castaway Key, um, and it features two lagoons in the center of it, and it's about uh, 3,000 feet of sand beaches. So at first, it was just a rumor that Disney was interested in this property, which began when an article in the local Bahamian publication, um, the Eleuthera News, I think it's called, but they broke a story about core samples being taken off, um, you know, just off the shores of Egg Island. And soon after, there was a petition that was started aimed at stopping Disney from taking over Egg Island, which kind of, you know, got people wondering, was Disney really involved? And then later on, a business reporter for the NASA Guardian reported that Disney was exploring the um, the development under a temporary business license certificate that was issued to this company called Orlando's Universal Engineering Sciences. So pretty crazy story. Um, the core samples that were being taken seemed to indicate um, pr- preliminary testing of the seabed for a, a potential dredging project that would allow for a pier. So it was believed that at the time that Disney was waiting for the results of the testing to, in order to acknowledge any involvement. But um, in July 2016, a Disney spokesperson actually confirmed that it had been doing environmental impact assessment and some geotechnical studies, but that, you know, ultimately is determined the island's marine and environmental profile could, um, couldn't sustain a, a cruise line development. So the project was scrapped and virtually no one ever even heard about it. So, um, I, I'll put a video of the island up on my Facebook page because it's it's really pretty and it's it definitely would have made an awesome private island cruise destination. But so my question after all that, you know, all that build uh, all that lead in is what if Disney had purchased Egg Island back in 2016 when these rumors were swirling about its interest? What you know, how would that have changed kind of the the cruise destination experience? So I think that's uh, something that's really important to note there is. 
it looks like Disney, uh, you know, you can see places where it looks like there was an environmental impact study that was even endorsed by Disney or paid for by Disney at some point for Egg Island. That was one thing I could see when I looked it up. Um, I think as I'll speak for me, I'll speak for me and I can speak for my wife because I think Kelsey would feel the same way too. We would always want Disney to be responsible when doing something like that. Mm, of course. One of the yeah. things we absolutely love about Disney cruises is we are, we love uh, doing, there's two different excursions that always get us. One, if it has anything to do with history that we can dip our feet into, we're in it. We're in it. The other one is snorkeling because we love seeing some of these uh, creatures that inhabit, you know, the parts of the world that, well, it doesn't matter because we loved our Alaskan cruise too, but we like snorkeling in the Caribbean and we would want Disney to make a choice that protected the wildlife so that could be a, yes. I, I don't ever want that to feel like a commercial experience. I always want it to feel like it's a natural experience. Same. Yeah, completely agree. And, you know, I think one of the reasons that these projects fall through is because Disney has committed, you know, made these commitments to the environment and everything. But my, you know, where I was going with this is, you know, what if they had purchased it, had, you know, the environmental impact assessment was good. They, you know, they were able to, um, you know, maybe they didn't need to dredge and they could, they could make kind of one of these, uh, you know, float out piers that they're talking about doing for, um, um, for Lighthouse Point, and they they were able to develop this island while you know keeping it in its you know in, in its close to its natural position as 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 possible. Um, my thought was, if Disney had a second private destination, um, you know, for the past couple years, I, I just think that would have. Um, driven demand for the you know for cruising out of Central Florida and out of Southern Florida just that much more. I I, I obviously love Castaway Key, um, and I I just think having the opportunity to sort of mix up those three and four night cruises and 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 visit a, a new destination would just be you know plus up the Disney Cruise experience um, by by a lot, and especially if it's you know, and I obviously I am just kind of imagining here, but if they were able to take Egg Island and and do something like, um, like like Royal Caribbean has done with Coco Cay, where they have pools and um and water features and stuff like that, you know, maybe they have one destination that's um that's that type of experience, and they have you know Castaway Key, which is much more of a, a relaxing beach vacation. So I just think. It would have been really cool to have them already have a a new destination while we late wait for Lighthouse Point as a potential third one. Um, I just think that would be be really cool, and you could almost have a a cruise that just visits your private islands if you you know add Lighthouse Point to the mix. You can have a, a you know a four night cruise that visits Lighthouse Point, then it goes out to Egg Island, which. I don't think would be called that anymore. And then visits Castaway Key. I mean, that would be a, a pretty a pretty cool uh, Disney Cruise experience for sure. So there's there's a couple of points there. One is if they had a third island, and we'll take the last question full circle is, and I'll, I'll add my own what if, is what if Disney had enough private islands that they could allow another cruise ship to stop by a Disney private island? Oh, interesting. Cruise. Yeah. And what would that mean for return on investment or bringing customers like, or would other, you know, would other cruise companies bite? Right. Obviously, I don't think Royal Caribbean would be one because yeah. they have their private island. I, I know that Norwegian 
is in a uh, – there's like two other cruises that share a private island with them off the coast of Belize. Um, but I bet there's some cruise companies out there that are operating that don't have a private island in the Caribbean that may be yeah. uh, interested yeah. in something along those lines. So that's I guess that's one thing. And uh, the second is what's the balance Disney has to maintain with stopping at NASA and spending money off its cruise ship? Good point. With having those islands and the relationship they have with the Bahamian government in order to keep doing that. I know the, the government gets something from those private islands, but I imagine the, there's a lot of pressure from Atlantis and uh, from Atlantis all the way down to small businesses that yeah. operate in the port that pressure that government to keep cruise ships coming in there. And that's obviously a thing with the way they're expanding the port and improving it all the time. Absolutely. And, I, and I'd be willing to bet that, you know, the, the birthing agreement that Disney has with Nassau probably says you need to bring a certain amount of cruise passengers, to, you know, into into Nassau per year. I, I you know, I, I bet that's. Um, I bet that's part of the agreement. And to your point about having three islands and, and other ships visiting, you know, I don't, I'm not sure the Disney Cruise Line's current fleet would have enough, would be able to bring enough passengers to three islands at this point. Um, you know, they, it, it would, they would need more ships in rotation uh, in order to do that, which, you know, we suspect more are coming, but for now, um, I, I don't think it would be enough. But as I was thinking about this question, another question popped into my mind that, you know, which was forget Egg Island at this point because it's not a reality. Let's um, let's talk about what if Lighthouse Point never does become a reality, because I, I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance of that. I mean, you don't hear about it ever. Um, Joe Rohde, who was sort of um, the point person and leading this project, and they made the big announcement about it, obviously doesn't work for Disney anymore. Um, and there's, you know, they're still doing feasibility assessments. They're getting a lot of pushback from, you know, Bahamian locals. Uh, so I, I think it's a possibility that it never becomes a reality. So what if Lighthouse Point, you know, never, never becomes a reality? So the I think the improvement to Castaway Key that would have to happen would maybe change that experience in a way that it's no longer a people's favorite place to stop. Mm. I think that while Coco K sounds like a great, and I've never been there myself. Me neither. But I've, I I have watched a. a there've been a, you know there's plenty of uh, cruise bloggers and vloggers out there that I've seen what it looks like. Um, it's very commercial compared to Castaway Key. Yes, uh, it is. I, I think the way uh, Disney would have to change Castaway Key to allow two ships to dock there a day, because that's the reality, right? Like right now, they're running oh, yeah. in four days for, uh, uh, well, once the wish starts sailing, um, the, there'll be three and they'll be, the, the wish will stop there twice a week, right? Yep. yep. The dream will stop there twice a week out of Miami or Port Everglades once it moves. Yep. Right. So now that's four days at Castaway Key that are booked up, and you have the fantasy passing by once a week. Uh, if it's the winter time, then you still have the wonder and the magic that are out there, and you would have to double the size of the staff residential area alone yeah. to keep up with seven days of ships a week on yeah. that island. Um, they would get there real quick. I think they they need Lighthouse Point to work out, and they need it to work out quickly because I think the delivery of the sixth ship in the fleet is going to need 
uh, that to become a reality. Or Disney yeah. is gonna, because we look at the plans for Lighthouse Point right now. It it is the same. It is a it, it is a Castaway Key flavored stop. It, yeah. it is not. There's not over the top slides that they're projecting. You know everything that I've seen online. They're not projecting yeah. something that looks like Coco Cay. They're projecting something that looks a lot like Castaway Key 2.0. You know there'll be better parts about it. I'm sure. I'm sure the island will be able to operate more efficiently because of the things they've learned about. You know running cookies or some of the other things that happen on the island that keep customers happy. Um, and the way the ship has to support that by bringing goods to the the island all the time to keep the island moving as well, right? Yeah, I, I yep. imagine they're using that as a logistics piece, not only a customer piece. So right. um, they really need it to work out because once they get into a sixth ship, they'll be in trouble in the winter time when all the ships are in the Caribbean. Yeah, unless the wonder never comes back to, which I think will, which I think will be the case um, eventually. But um, but yeah. So what what would be your uh, how would you feel about, you know, development on Castaway Key if 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 they could, you know, take and I don't even know if it's possible, but if they could take kind of the island that is undeveloped right now and almost make like a separate location so it almost keeps the two experiences separate? Like what if they could keep Castaway Key as we know it sort of the same and then around the other side of the island have this, you know, have this different flavor of of an experience? Would you, you know, what would be your your uh, your your uh, your your tolerance for something so, like that. So the deep water port is going to be a challenge there, right? Like yeah, forget the forget the logistics of it. Yeah, I just think so I'm, think, I'm just thinking more. Yeah, we can do whatever we want. Exactly. Yeah, assuming you assuming you could bring assuming you can bring a ship there and and dock it or whatever, and um, just what if they built out Castaway Key to be, you know, to have features that you know more closely resemble uh, Coco Cay. In so, the event that Lighthouse Point never became a reality. So the one part would be, or the first part would be is, how do you stop customers from wanting to, like, cross over to the other side? What do you mean? So if It's you one island. You, 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 you have access time. to the island. What? It's one, you have access to the island if you're, when you're there. So everyone can go wherever yeah. they want. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter what side they docked on or whatever. Correct. So they use the pixie dust of the deep water port. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know. I, some uh, we've enjoyed that island most when we're on one of the classic ships on that island. When there's not a lot of people there. Yeah. And I think that would change in a way. Like I said, that I don't know if Castaway Key would be my favorite spot to stop anymore. Yeah, sure. If that island was overcrowded. Yeah, I I think I've always said that I am. Um, I I I would not want them to build it out for it to be more commercialized. I love the private island experience that you get when you're there, and so, um, you know, hopefully Lighthouse Point does work out, and you know we don't have to we don't have to think about all these things. But it's uh, it's just something that I was thinking about as we were as I was preparing for this uh, for this episode. Kelsey and I did a, uh, a Disney Dream five night double dip in 2018 uh, to. Uh, you know, and it, to be quite honest, we didn't even get off the boat except to go to Starbucks in Nassau. Um, we usually take Nassau and make it a, a, a day at sea uh, for ourselves, right? Quote unquote. We we just stay on the ship those right. days. Um, but uh, the amount of people that were on the island with that particular cruise, it was uh, I want to say it was early June, mid June. We were on that trip, and the the boat was full. Um, the island was 
was still tolerable with the amount of people that were on the island. You know, we didn't wait long for food. We could always find a, uh, and we don't have kids, so going out to Serenity, there's always a chair that's out there if you head out that way, especially if you get on the island yeah. early enough. I just, uh, man, I wouldn't want to see the island get overcrowded. I wouldn't yeah. want it to be as commercialized as the videos I watch of Coco Key. Yeah, same. Same. All right, let's move that's on. What's that? That's a good question. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. There is. Yeah. We sort of strayed pretty far off the off the timeline on that one, but that's that's okay. <laughs> so. All right, so the next one, we we know that the aqueduct was originally planned to be a lazy river, or the I guess I should say the, the thought was first that they would want to do a lazy river, and then they decided, well, that'll take up too much space, so they, they elevated it, and that's how we ended up with the aqueduct. So my question is, what if there was a lazy river on board instead of the aqueduct, how would the upper deck experience be different? And how would you feel about a lazy river on, you know, on the upper deck of a cruise ship? Okay. So lazy rivers are my jam. Me and too. It, I was just... <laughs> so Alani's lazy river is like, my heart has been calling me back there for 10 years now. And we just haven't made that trip happen because we've yep. had other priorities, yeah. like, you know, traveling with some family members and stuff like that. Um, it's gotten to the point where like we have the soundtrack to Alani. If you don't have that in your life and you've been there, you should track it down. Oh wow! Okay. But you can actually listen to the music. Like when we have a bad day, we just like you know let's just put on those songs and like close our eyes and you know the you can almost smell the resort. Um, that's the best lazy river I think I've ever been on. Wow. Okay. Um, it, just because of how great it is in the in between the you know in the resort there. Okay. Um. If they could do that on a boat, I would move to Florida and go on as many Florida resident discounted <laughs> cruises as I could do. That being said, the reality is is uh, a lazy river being small enough to be on a boat uh, would probably make it smaller than the one that's at the Beach Club and Yacht Club Resort. Uh, what is it? Storm Along Bay. Storm I, I think that's a pretty small lazy river. I think yeah. it's a lazy square. It's not even a lazy river. It's just a lazy square. <laughs> right, um, right. But don't get me wrong. That's still one of the best resorts to go to because it has that. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, I'm not entirely sure how effective that would be on a boat. I would love if there was a way to put that on a boat. But when you start putting the 2,000 passengers and everyone's getting into the lazy river, yes. it gets less lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, I'm with you. I... I uh, I haven't been to Alani. Uh, it's on our short list of, of places to visit. Um, but really? I, yeah, I have been to um, the lazy. I you know I've been to both of the water parks at Disney World, which I th- I personally think are a little bit underrated. We really enjoy the water parks, Typhoon Lagoon and Blizzard Beach. But it's so fun to just sit in the lazy river and just like float around the circle. I could do that just all day and just relax in an, a tube going around the lazy river and the you know when it was mentioned that it that was the original idea i was like that would be awesome i'm with you with you know that with 2000 cruise passengers on board you're not you're not going to be able to enjoy you know that won't be an enjoyable experience but i just thought the idea was really cool um and i you know i like you said if they could figure out a way to make a uh a successful lazy river on a cruise ship. I mean, that would just be the coolest thing ever. Um, I'm, I'm putting myself in your current bracketology. 
discussion right now going on on social media and thinking about sitting in the lazy river <laughs> in an inner tube, watching Wally yeah. of people in the lazy river on the inner tube after, you know, three slices from Pinocchio pizza at three o'clock <laughs> in the afternoon because yep. I need that on a cruise ship. Um, yep. There's a lot going on there. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, uh, yeah, just for a little plug, there's a, a, a Funnel Vision Showdown bracket going on, on on my social media pages. So go check that out and, and vote on the best best movie to watch on Funnel Vision. What is the best movie? For me? Yeah. It's Moana. Yeah. When, when a bunch of kids start singing about how the sun touches the sea and it calls <laughs> me on the ship, if that doesn't get you out, like, yep. I, yep. I don't know what, I, I, I don't know how to, like, if that doesn't make you smile at the, you know, the, the, the environment you're in. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. To me, that's the perfect one now. Yeah. If I had to pick one before that, um, uh, surprisingly, maybe, and maybe it's the, maybe it's because I'm from North Dakota and the weather's like half most of the year. Uh, there's something, there used to be something about watching Frozen. Oh, okay. In the Caribbean. All right. Yeah. Oddly comforting. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. All right, so I'm gonna get, I'm gonna piggyback off of that one a little bit. Um, just talking about the size of the ship. Um, so we know that the Wish is gonna be roughly the same size as the Dream and the Fantasy. I mean, technically, yes, it's gonna be a little bit bigger, but I don't think it's gonna be noticeably different. Um, so what if Disney Cruise Line had designed the Wish and these next ships to be sort of these Oasis class size ships that we're seeing from Royal Caribbean that are just absolutely massive. What more could they have done on their ships beyond what, you know, what they're doing now? A uh, true dark, right? Tr- <laughs> Which I've talked about with you for a long time. Yeah. Before you the was mentioned. Yep. Uh, yep. Yep. A true dark, right? Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean in the Caribbean at sea. Mm. Right. Um, yep. Oh, that would but, be cool. <laughs> but, the lazy uh, river. The, uh, well, especially, so here's the deal is with the technology Disney now has for like, and it's probably since we first started having that conversation about dark rides on the boats, um, we've been to Disney and gone to see Mickey and Minnie Runaway Railway for the first time. Um, Ratatouille's also on the top of our list to check out the yep. second we go. But now that they have this projection technology, you can make the, you can make the ride vehicles look like small Disney cruise ships, you know, almost like the Macy's Day float where it's just this yeah. like weird misshapen fat cartoony yeah. six people or yeah. three people that you know is is the ride vehicle and you can project anything you want around it yeah and move in different set pieces and every day you're at sea you know the days they're in port they could reset it so it's a pirate themed one day and then it's mickey and minnie themed the next day and then it's uh you know, if it's a Muppet Day at Sea, which they still need to do, a Pixar Day at Sea, or a Marvel Day at Sea, rethink that. And think about that as they could do a Marvel ride at Sea and not be in breach of the universal uh, uh, contract that goes on that's, you know, uh, east of the Mississippi River where they can't have Marvel things. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, th- there, I think that's probably their biggest missed opportunity. They're getting close to that with the Aqua Mouse and going through yep. it. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how do they refresh that over the years because they will. They'll change the yeah, story. Oh, for sure. The vignette that it's yep. uh, that's tied to the overall story in there uh, to keep it fresh for customers. Uh, so long as it's you know there's a return on investment. Yeah. They, there's a return on investment for the money they invest in the animation. But 
Um, that's the first one is a, a true wet sea dark ride that has nothing to do with water. And you, you know, you, you get your fast pass or <laughs> lightning link <laughs> for it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I was even thinking, I, I don't know if you heard in one of my recent episodes, but having a, having a, an attraction like flight of passage where your ride vehicle is stationary, but oh, yeah. with the projections and going on in front of you, you still feel like you're, you know, part of this, you're in this immersive environment. And, you know, if you had a massive cruise ship, maybe you could carve out a section of the ship for something like that. Um, I think that would be really cool. What's that? IMAX screen. Right. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And, and there's gotta be, I gotta think they could figure out a way to shrink it down so that you can, you know, fit it on a cruise ship. But I think that'd be really, a really cool idea. One of the things that I was wondering is I was, you know, I was thinking why, why would they not have gone big on one of, you know, with one of these ships? I don't, it's sort of kind of surprised me that they wouldn't have, tried for a bigger ship and and i was almost wondering do you think because of the amount of effort and time and money that they you know an investment that they put into kind of the storytelling behind the ship that 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 maybe they thought it would be too difficult to fill a ship that size with kind of the disney storytelling and and maybe felt like it would be more just a commercial ship where you you know, you just put kind of plug and play attractions and stuff on it because, you know, it, and maybe that's, maybe that had nothing to do with it, but it just got me wondering, like, I don't understand why, why they wouldn't have gone big with, with one of these ships, you know? So, so Disney's got intellectual property coming out. It's, oh, for sure. Right. So there's plenty of IP to tap into. Um, certainly Imagineering is creative enough to come with, uh, come up with those experiences, especially if they're, taking some shells from the park of ideas and scaling them the mm. right way. Right? Yep. That's not hard. Yep. I actually, I think the thing that's important to Disney, that something I respect about what they do as a, as a company and as a cruise line is actually, I'll refer to the picture behind you of the four boats. And that is, there is a look and feel for a Disney ship that also matches this, uh, romantic idea of what cruising was Absolutely. years ago that they still try to capture today. Yep. And that starts with, uh, you know, the Disney wish welcomes the Swice family. Yes. Right. Like it starts with making you feel like you're a big deal the moment you get on that ship and yep. that your family's important to the cast members that are running that ship. And I think on a, a ship, when you get into the Oasis class size, um, there's a there's a place where that waters down or goes away or they lose that part of the Disney magic and see. Sure. Maybe you just get lost in the, you know, as a, as a passenger, you just kind of get lost in the amount of people that are on board and it's less of a, a magical experience. The other thing is think about the, the crew to guest ratio on a Disney cruise yeah. compared to the numbers you see for like, I don't, don't want to say carnival because I think that's the extreme in the other direction, but sure. how many cast members would it take to be on an Oasis class cruise ship? Yeah. And what's the cost, the operating cost when... And I think Disney learns this one is what's the loss in operating cost if you have to shut that ship down for a short time? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all good points. I just, you know, it's fun to think about a a I mean, they can still make it look like the the dream and the fantasy and the wish. Just make it bigger. You know what I mean? Yeah. And on this one, before we get off it, just because I'm thinking about it as we're discussing this one is 
Disney's got a great program where they're upcharging me and my wife to go to Apollo, and we'll we'll never pass on that experience whenever we can on a cruise ship because we love Apollo. A lot of people love Remy. That's a great experience too. How has Disney not started? And I, I I hate saying this in case someone hears it, but how has Disney not figured out a restaurant that permanently is running character dining, breakfast, lunch, and dinner on a Disney ship, and it's a premium experience? That's a great that's a great question, and and I can't believe I've never thought of that myself. But yes, I mean they have characters all you know happening all throughout all throughout a, the day on a cruise. Why would they not have a premium dining experience with character you know a character character meal and it's like uh the classic ship animator palette where it starts off black and white yeah. through the meal and it doesn't matter like you could do a couple of different ones like maybe it gets more star warsy is yeah right it goes on or it gets more <laughs> i just said star warsy like it's a word that everyone understands. <laughs> uh or uh or uh you know it gets it looks more like arendale as dinner goes on or and i know they're doing some of that stuff in the restaurants already and i appreciate that they're doing those kinds of experience included in the cost but um i with the way i i I, i'm the decisions that disney makes about the cruise ships and the disney decision the decisions disney makes about the theme parks and how they're monetizing the two do not look the same Mm. other than the increased cost to get in. Yeah. Right, but there's no genie-like piece on a cruise ship. There's no right. uh, uh, character dining upcharge on the cruise ship. Like, And maybe they firmly stand behind you already paying for that with the price. And if that's the case, stay there, Disney. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, so we we had a bunch of these topics, but we're, you know, we're running a little long here. So I want to kind of wrap it up with with this last one and then maybe piggyback into kind of a an offshoot um before we wrap up so i guess what if disney had never entered the cruise industry i mean would the cruise industry look different today and do you think that disney had any influence or how much influence on cruise companies looking to sort of push the envelope on what was seemingly impossible on a cruise ship? What impact do you think Disney Cruise Line has had on the cruise industry? I think Disney has pushed the cruise industry to be less about being a casino at sea yeah, and more about a family experience. I mm-hmm. think that cruise, Disney getting into the business has pushed, uh, you know, when you look at Royal Caribbean's uh, uh, latest uh, Oasis class ships, um, there's like an Alice in Wonderland uh, themed restaurant on one of them. I think that kind of theming um, that is adventurous and fun like that is the direct result of Royal Caribbean realizing like, hey, Disney's got these like experience dining experiences, imaginations yeah, <laughs> that are designing their ships. We need to be just as creative. Yeah. So I think they've pushed those ships to be more creative. I think things like. Uh, um, the Aqueduct and uh, the Aqua Dunk have probably, uh, you know, while uh, slides aren't revolutionary on a cruise ship, I don't think it would have been an eventuality. Um, look at like what Norwegian's done on uh, uh, their ship with uh, uh, a race car track, a yeah. go track, right? Like, I think that Disney getting into the industry and them, uh, different organizations looking at Disney and thinking about what they've done, I think that's pushed. Uh, other companies just to be better, right? And that comes with any competition. It wouldn't matter if Disney entered into the cruise industry or another company had entered into a cruise industry and 
to be quite honest, it has me wondering why hasn't universally been licensed or gotten into the industry yeah. yet with the way they're seeing some success for their parks, you know, yeah. like, and they're obviously seeing it, especially with Harry Potter. Imagine Harry Potter at sea, like on a universal cruise ship, you know, or, or whoever they partnered with. So right. um, I think they push the, uh, the rest of the industry to be more family friendly and yes. to be back. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And then kind of just sort of piggybacking off of that, had they never got into it, what if they were just exploring the idea of entering the space now and they were, you know, the wish was their first ship. What how might its first ship be different had Disney Cruise Line not already been in the industry? I mean, do you think they look at what Royal has done and what Carnival has done and say, wow, we look at what we have to do to compete with that? You know, I'm I'm guessing they don't say, hey, well, let's, you know, let's build this ship and we'll put a we'll put a, a, a water coaster on the upper deck. And that'll be, you know, that'll be kind of competition for these other cruise lines. Like, I, I'm just wondering if if they if they didn't have any ships in the fleet and they see what's out there, are is Disney going to try to up, you know, up the ante and really kind of go big? I think Disney found a good time to enter into the industry where they could feel comfortable designing the boat that they've designed and that boat can endure even though those other things like always class ships are happening. I guess I'm trying to think of it more of a standpoint of, you know, just all else being equal. They, you know, they decided they want to enter the cruise industry, the cruise space, and they just see kind of what the competition is doing. What do they need to do with their first ship to, you know, to compete? And I, you know, I almost think, you know, the Carnival's newest ship has a roller coaster on it. You know, like you said, uh, I think it's Norwegian. They have bumper cars. Um, Ro- uh, Royal Caribbean has these, like, um, I forget what they call them. The, you can, like, you know, surf on, on I, I don't remember what it's called. Um, yeah, rock balls. Yeah, surfing. rock balls, indoor skydiving, like, all this stuff. And, and you know, I'm just wondering, does Disney say, look, we got to do something like this, you know, put some, I, you know, IP into it, but we got to do something big. And I, you know, I think you're right. I Their, their history has, you know, they, they've built their fan base such that we're okay with, um, you know, the things that, that Disney's doing with the ship. And we actually, we enjoy it. We, we love the, the storytelling and we love the, the magic that you feel and we love the Disney experience. But, you know, it, it, it it's, 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 you got to wonder if, um, you know, if things were different, would, would they be really trying to add these, these major attractions, these kind of thrill seeking experiences, um, as opposed to kind of going the, the storytelling route that they, that they seem to be, um, all in on. I think from a competition standpoint, there would have to be Oasis class ships if they were starting now, yeah. they would have to have, but I'm, I'll say that I'm glad it's not there because I like that I have the option to do everything I want to do when I get off a dream class ship. Sure. You know, my wife and I have done the, uh, the detective agency thing on those ships. We love doing that. You know, we, or, you know, making sure we go by Pepe's room, uh, you know, on those ships or, uh, you know, they're, the ship's not being so big and having so many, uh, activities that we ever, we don't ever feel bored. Mm. We also feel like we got to see everything that we wanted to see while we were on the ship. Right. And I think there's a good balance there 
uh, for customers when they find value, especially when the price goes up more and more every year, right? Yes. Yep. I agree. Well, I'll have to save a couple of these maybe for a future, uh, you know, a future conversation. Yeah, go ahead. So I actually have one real quick for you. Okay. And it's what if blue milk was good enough to put on a Disney cruise ship? Because if it was good enough, it would be there. It would already be there. Uh, and I asked that for, you know, for Joe and for Derek and Doug. Yep, yep. Uh, because yep. I would be remiss if I did not uh, continue the blue milk conversation with you. Um, well, no, I appreciate you bringing that up. It's my it's my favorite topic to discuss. Um <laughs> I to be honest though on the Star Wars Day at Sea I have I cannot for the life of me figure out why they wouldn't have it. I mean it's it doesn't make any sense especially since it's in the parks why would they not bring it onto the ships? I can almost guarantee you'll see it in uh in the new Star Wars lounge on the Wish. Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> maybe they'll maybe they'll improve it. I well for everyone else, I don't think it needs any improvement, but you know, I I, I think it's going to I think you'll I think you'll see it on there. Um, the blue milk. It's, it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's, um, it's so trending on social media next week when this airs. Yeah, right. Um, awesome. Well, Chris, this was fun. I, like I said, we, I, I don't think we even got to half the topics that we had come up with, but uh, it was, it was fun to kind of go down the rabbit trail on, on, on a few of these. So I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for the, the insights and the, and the thoughts. Uh, it was really fun. Hey, thanks again for the show, Wes. I, my wife and I always appreciate it. You know, we're always listening. And even though we haven't been able to get on a cruise yet since uh, COVID, we listen and plan all the time based on the experiences you bring to the show. So thanks again for the show. We just, we really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. I, I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for, for taking the time. And I'll talk to you again soon. Take care. As a reminder, you can connect with the show by following along on Twitter at the DCL Dude or by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash DCL Dude Podcast. Please feel free to ask a question, leave a comment, drop a note, or share the podcast with your followers. I'd also be very grateful if you could rate the podcast on iTunes and leave a review. Of course, if there's anything I can do to improve your listening experience, please let me know. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.